Our scripture reading this morning is 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 27. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings." Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is God's word. Thank you, Stephanie, for reading the words. The Apostle Paul visited Corinth during his second ministry trip. He stayed there for 18 months and planted a church in Corinth. Later, later during his third ministry trip, he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth and the part of it we just read. And this letter that Paul writes and the passage we read, the words that he wrote, it, it happened about 20 years since he was called by the Lord to follow him and to serve in the ministry. So it's about 20 years in the ministry Paul is at this time. There are two lessons we can learn from this passage. There are several, but the two main lessons. The first one I put under the category of a missiological lesson, and that is the theology of missions. And some of you may have heard the phrase contextualization, accommodation in the gospel ministry, presenting the gospel within the context of the recipients, the audience linguistic context, cultural context, religious, political, social, theological, and so on. In verse 22, we just read, Paul says, I became all things to all men, that by all means I save some. And if you have taken a course, do you know the perspectives on the world, Christian movements, we used to offer those classes here, and if you have taken one of those, you probably have had several chapters teaching from this passage, this missiological lesson called contextualization. And then there is the another lesson we can learn from this passage, and that is a discipleship lesson, a life lesson. In this passage, we see a biographical sketch, a description of Paul's life. 18 times he uses the word I, I became I have become. This life lesson has to do with 
one who lives and behaves among one who wishes to be a gospel witness. How one lives and behaves among whom one wishes to be a gospel witness. Today I want to focus on the second of the two lessons, the discipleship part. Although I love to teach missiological lesson as well, but not today. A life lesson. How do we live and behave among people we wish to be a gospel witness? To do this, let's, let's do this. There's so much in here and, and uh, we don't have enough time. So what I would like us to do is to place verses 22 and 23 at the center of this passage, at the center of Paul's thought that is expressed here. And this is what Paul says in verses 22 and 23. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. He has used the word all four times, all things, all people, all means, all for the sake of the gospel. And the sermon title this morning is taken from this verse 23, all for the sake of the gospel. This is Paul's passion, doing it all for the sake of the gospel. The gospel here is not just the gospel content, not just the doctrine of the gospel, but the proclamation of the gospel, the progress of the gospel, the spread of the gospel. That's what Paul says, all for the sake of the gospel, that gospel is proclaimed and that it is spreading and it's bearing fruit. And it has power to save the effects and accomplishments of the gospel. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. And then he says that I may share with them, that is the Jews, the Gentiles, the weak. And then he says all people share with them in its blessings, it meaning the gospel blessings, sharing with them in gospel blessings, participating with them in gospel blessings, says Paul. So the question we have is what gospel blessings could Paul have in his mind? What is he thinking about these blessings? There are many blessings, and to cover all of these, we have to read and study all Paul's epistles. But I want to highlight two blessings that I see in this passage as I've studied. Two blessings. Two gospel blessings, two gospel outcomes. The first one is that gospel saves. That is reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. When the gospel is proclaimed and the, when the gospel is progressing and spreading and proclaiming the power of the Holy Spirit, it brings people to God, reconciles them with God through Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul says in verse 22. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some as I proclaim this gospel. In the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to see people coming to know God and reconciled to God, get saved. So, gospel saves. The gospel saves. One blessing. The second blessing is the gospel shapes. Gospel saves and the gospel shapes. S-H-A-P-E-S. The gospel transforms the proclaimer. 
And that's what Paul says. So let's look at both of these blessings. Briefly, gospel saves, that's easy. Reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. We call it salvation. We call it a new birth, regeneration. The proclamation of the gospel in word and deeds draws others to Jesus to be reconciled to God. And they receive the blessings of the gospel. They receive the Holy Spirit. They are, their lives are changed. They receive the fruit of the Holy Spirit, promise of an eternal life. They get to join the family of God and so on. So this is what the gospel does for others as the gospel is proclaimed. They receive these blessings. And Paul uses several words in his in, in his epistles, blessings, he uses the word rewards. In verse 25 of this passage, he uses, he says that we receive an imperishable wreath, a crown. In Philippians 4.1, this is what he says. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. He said, you're my joy and you're my crown. That is the blessings that gospel saves. And in First Thessalonians, this is what he says. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. The people that responded to the gospel and now Paul is writing to them and sharing with them and saying, you are my blessings. So gospel saves, that's one blessing. It brings joy, crown, and Paul is really rejoicing in that. So that's one blessing, the gospel saves. But then God, the gospel shapes. The unchanging gospel is changing Paul. And we'll see that, how it is described in this passage. The gospel is transforming him, the proclaimer, Apostle Paul, in Christ's likeness. The gospel changes the proclaimer as well. And this is the missing dimension of the blessing sometimes we miss in this passage. The gospel shapes and transforms the proclaimer in the likeness of Jesus. These two works of the gospel go hand in hand, two sides of the same coin. The gospel saves, the gospel shapes. When we do it all for the sake of the gospel, the gospel saves and the gospel shapes. I'm gonna keep repeating that. Paul gives his personal testimony. So how did the gospel of Jesus Christ shape Apostle Paul? How did this happen? What do we see in this passage? And like I said, 18 times he's using the word I, meaning it's a biographical description, something about himself. He uses the words freedom and rights eight times in this passage. Then the verse 19 begins with these words. I'm free from all. I'm free. I have made myself a servant of all. I'm free from all. I've made myself a servant of all. I became, he says, uses four times, I became this, I became this, I became this. And then I have become all things to all men. So this is what Paul says. I see others come to know Jesus as I proclaim the gospel, and the gospel saves. But I also see the gospel that I'm pro proclaiming 
changing me. I see the gospel shaping me, transforming me, as I do it all for the sake of the gospel. So let's look at one area in this passage, one area Paul is shaped in, in the use of freedom and rights. What happened to the freedom and rights that Paul had, and how did the gospel shape him? Again, verse 19, I'm free from all. He said, I'm not, I'm not bound by anyone or anything. He said, I'm free. My identity is in Christ. I'm united with Christ. I am in Christ. In Galatians 2.20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So Paul knew that through the gospel. He was united with Christ, inseparably united with Jesus, and he was in Christ but being in Christ did not mean for him that his birth identity was erased. He was still a Jewish man. In Acts 22, when he gave his testimony, he says, I am a Jew from Tarsus. He was a Jew. But then he says, I became a Jew. So how does that work out? But this is what Paul says. Because I'm now united with Christ and I'm in Christ, I can step out of this identity and not hang on to it for the sake of the gospel. And once I recognize that I'm in Christ and that is the most important identity I have, now from that position, I became a Jew. I became a Gentile. I became weak to those who are weak. Because of my union with Christ, and because I'm free in Christ, I can become a servant of all. My identity in Christ supersedes all other identities. And, and think about this. I'm free from all, and because of that, my freedom in Christ, I have made myself a slave. Freedom and slavery somehow are put together both very positive. I'm excited about my freedom. And just because I'm free in Christ, I have the strength to become a servant of all. A contradiction, a paradox. Paul says he's free and belongs to no man. He is paradoxically using that freedom to become a servant and slave to everyone. My freedom in Christ, he says, helps me to become a servant. More and more we realize that we are in Christ, and that's the most important identity. And such freedom that we exercise in that union with Christ, that I'm, I'm okay to be a slave. I'm okay to be a slave. True freedom is when we choose not to be free. True freedom is when we choose not to be free. Do not be, and we should not be, enslaved to our freedom and our rights. Does that make sense? We should not be enslaved to our freedom or our rights. And something else I've learned, it is easy to choose to be a servant. I choose to be a servant. I want to be a servant today. I, I just want to be the last in the line. I, I choose to be a servant. But it's not easy when we are treated like one. That's when we 
do not like. And Paul followed Jesus' examples. Jesus' example in Mark 10, 45, we read, For the Son of Man, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He followed Jesus' example. Philippians 2, 5 to 7. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality, equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. The same word, doulos, bond slave, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus himself is the paradigm for such servanthood. Free in order to become a slave. I'm free and therefore I wanna be a slave. Interesting, isn't it? The gospel shapes us to be servants of the gospel, servants of Jesus, and servants of others. And that's how gospel Shapes. There are many historical examples of such life lived. Sadhu Sundar Singh, Hudson Taylor, John Singh, Amy Carmichael, and the list goes on. They lived for the sake of the gospel and became all things to all men so that by all means they could save some in the parts of the world that God sent them. And if you want to get hold of one book, let me recommend... Most of you here probably have heard of this book, From Jerusalem to Irian Jaya by Ruth Tucker. Really, really good book. A history of missions, a biographical history of mission written by a woman. Brilliant, brilliant book. And there is another book that hardly anyone has ever read, in my opinion, is The Daughters of the Church, if you want to get hold of that book. The Daughters of the Church by Ruth Tucker. A lot of stories in this. I want to tell you my own story of gospel shaping me as you are involved in proclaiming the gospel, seeing the gospel spread and proclaim. And that is a little different from what Paul is talking about in this passage. I'm, I'm taking a little different approach because it's my own story. And that's the area of provision and protection. How has the gospel shaped me and shaped Judith and I, and how is it still continuing? How is that gospel working in my life? We have seen people come to know the Lord as we proclaim the gospel. Gospel saves, but gospel shapes the proclaimer, and that's in the area of provision and protection. Since we got married, we lived in three different countries. I mean, long period of time. I have traveled to more than 35 countries, we have lived in three countries in eight different cities, and 12 times we started new home completely from scratch. 12 times it was a new home in this time. And, and every time, I remember at 26, I was at First Event and decided Earl Stephen challenged me to go and be a missionary, long-term career. And I do remember at that time saying to myself, Lord, I have a very good job. I'm making good money, but if I give this up and go full-time in missions after 30, 40 years when I'm in my 50s and my 60s, will I have enough money to provide for myself? I just turned 70 last month, two months ago, and actually I need to eat less. Lord has provided abundantly. 
And so at 26, I was worrying about that. And God has shaped us. I remember in 2000 when we decided to leave India, and that's when we came here in year 2000. Uh, I was teaching for Romans chapter 28, and part of that lesson, I was praying that morning. And in my prayer, this is what I said. I said, Lord, actually, you're dealing with a lot of fears in my life. And I am getting at the stage where I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of dying. I am fine. But Lord, I am fearful of, for my wife and my kids. Kids were small at the time. If I die in my prayer, this is what I said. If I die, who will take care of my kids and my wife? Now, I have never heard the voice of God. I never have. Okay, audible, audible voice. But if I ever had, that was the only time and this is what I heard, a laugh from heaven. When I said, Lord, who will take care of my wife and my kids when I die? And I heard God laugh and he said, who is taking care of them now? I got it. Lord says, Pradeep, don't ever for a day think that you are doing a good job. I am taking care of your kids. I'm taking care of your wife. Now, I hold you accountable. I want you to be the godly husband and a godly father. But when I call you home, I'm still around. I'll take care of them. So gospel has been shaping me. I still have many areas to go. And in this 40 years of ministry, here's God's provision. Uh, I have gone hungry only three times, really only three times in 40 years of ministry that I was hungry and I didn't have food to eat. That's really good statistics. Beaten only twice in 40 years, so that's not too bad. And threatened only once, only once in the city of Mumbai, one man took me out for lunch in the restaurant, and then after that, he paid for the bill and everything, and he said, Pradeep, if you and your members, team members, your people with you, do not stop doing what you're doing, I've seen your wife, you live here, she has a little kid, we had Jason, and he said, we'll harm them. That was the only threat I'd ever received, and my wife is alive, and my, Jason is 30 years old now, so God has taken care of us. God is still at work in many areas in my life. Dying to self, I'm still being shaped in that area. Dying to freedom and rights. Using freedom and rights in a way that I can say with Paul, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. I'm not there yet. Please pray for me. There are three key areas of the gospel shape that I pray for myself and I recommend that you pray for. Ask the gospel to shape you as you involve yourself faithfully in proclaiming the gospel. Gospel saves, so we need to be busy in our words and in our deeds to see people come to know the Lord. We need to be engaged in being his witnesses to the ends of the earth. But as we do that, See how God is transforming you as well. These three areas, very, very crucial. Genuine forgiveness, sacrificial love, and living hope. These three areas I pray for. So when people come to me, they get to know me, they get to know my family, they get to know our church, they come and visit First Evangelist. You know, I went to this church, and these people are forgiving people. The gospel has shaped them 
to be forgiving people, genuine forgiveness. They love sacrificially. They love so much that even hurts them. And they still keep loving. And no matter what happens, they don't give up hope, living hope. Being in gospel shape, and I call it the gospel workout, genuine forgiveness, sacrificial love, living hope. How does God shape us? How, what does he use the gospel? And that is, of course, the word, the Holy Spirit. God uses people that we are around with. But here is something that I, I recommend and I found myself that these two works of the gospel, the gospel saves and the gospel shapes, they go hand in hand. Get busy any way that you can, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your city, and if God would send you to Asia or other parts of the world, get involved in being a gospel witness. Some are really good at explaining the gospel, preaching the gospel, small group Bible studies, and that's fine. Some, they love, they serve, they provide hospitality. Whatever the gifts and the skills that God has given you, get busy in the gospel work and see the gospel save people. But as you do that, you will find this is the blessing of the gospel we will be transformed by the gospel because the gospel shapes. So what would it mean for you and I today to say, I do all for the sake of the gospel? We do all. I do all. Like Paul said, I do all for the sake of the gospel. We need to see the world through the gospel lenses. Don't ever take the gospel lenses of your face, life, family, children, community, and especially today is July 4th. What about freedom and rights that we have? I have lived in three different countries for a very long period of time, very long period of time, and now we are in the fourth country. And no other country, I've lived in the United States for over 20 years, no other country that I've lived in, I've visited has freedom and rights that we have in this nation. It's unbelievable what we have. So it's even harder for us to give up freedom and rights. Are we willing to be servants, servants of God? All for the sake of the gospel. The gospel saves and the gospel shapes and transforms the proclaimer. Gordon Fee has a good book. Uh, some of you maybe have, if you want to read the best commentary on First Corinthians, Gordon Fee has a big book like that. He's a professor emeritus of the New Testament studies at Regent College in Vancouver, Canada. And let me just read a paragraph from his book. The great difficulty for all who would so preach Christ is our inherent resistance due to the fall to the imitation of Christ expressed in verse 19, that's 1 Corinthians 9, 19, that freedom leads to making oneself the servant of all in, either to, in order to win them. That freedom leads to making oneself the servant of all in order to win them. 
Freedom leads to servanthood. Freedom leads to slavery for the sake of Christ, for the sake of gospel. Unfortunately, he says, Gordon Fee, freedom too often is abused in the direction of self-interest rather than expressed in terms of concern for others and for the progress of the gospel. Unfortunately, freedom too often is abused in the direction of self-interest rather than expressed in terms of concern for others and for the progress of the gospel. I don't want us to feel guilty this morning. Please, I don't. I, but this is something I am praying for myself. This is something. Am I shaped by the gospel? And am I engaged in seeing the gospel progress and proclaim to see people to see people saved. Let us commit ourselves to do all for the sake of the gospel and become all things to all men to win, to save, to serve as servants and receive the gospel blessings. Remember this, all for the sake of the gospel. The gospel saves, the gospel shapes. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to you for your servant, Apostle Paul. In this passage, there's still so much in here, Lord, we need to reflect upon, we need to study, we need to read and apply that to our lives. But this morning, Lord, we want to remember this, that we want to do, that we can say with Paul and be truly applicable to our lives, that we do it all for the sake of the gospel. And remember that the gospel saves and the gospel shapes. Amen.